Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. What's going on, guys? Before we get into today's podcast episode, I wanted to give you a quick update on the Ready Eddy membership program. To this point, we've grown to have thousands of products from up-and-coming startups and small businesses in the outdoor travel and lifestyle space on the platform. You can save up to 50% off all of these products, anything from skis to jackets to food bars to supplements. Anything you could think of to support your outdoor activities is on the platform from small up-and-coming brands. It's a great opportunity to support small businesses while also discovering brands that you've never heard of. You can show off the new gear to your friends and also save a ton while doing it. If you're interested in checking it out, head over to readyeddy.com slash members to get your first month free. What is going on, Ready Eddy Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. On today's episode, I am sitting down with one of the co-founders of Four Point Bars, Kevin Weber. Kevin, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it. Yeah, all right. So for the listener that is not familiar with Four Points, how would you best describe it to them? Uh, I would describe Four Points as, a, as really a, an innovator in the energy bar category. Uh, we are um, drastically different from our competition, and I like to think that we reverse engineered the energy bar to function for you, whereas a lot of um, our competitors out there, um, I don't think, thought that far ahead um, so that we're, we're a pretty unique product. What really makes it so unique? Uh, well, it's, it, it's a long story, but in a nutshell, uh, we use ingredients that no other bar in the market is using, and we use it for a purpose. Um, and when I say we, we uh, reverse engineered four points, uh, we looked at the reason why we were creating it. Um, we didn't create a product and then look for a market to sell it to it was the other way around we actually created and we actually weren't even trying to create a uh, solve a problem for anybody else we we're trying to solve a problem for ourselves as as mountaineers and um outdoor enthusiasts that were looking for a better solution to long-term energy without compromising your blood sugar and so it, it organically turned into what it is but um, we use ingredients no one else uses in combinations no one else uses and the difference can be felt um immediately so so what kind of ingredients are you talking about? So right now, and this is the, the irony of this, is we actually started making our bars for ourselves back in 2007. And, and in 2007, the landscape for the, the energy bar category were mostly, uh, is largely the same as it is today. I mean, it seems like every, every day or every week, month, whatever, there's a new energy bar out there. And there are a lot of people out there that go, oh, great, another energy bar. But um, there's a lot of copycats if you will at least a lot of uh, similarities between some of the newer products out there and, and since 2007 we're still the only bar on the market that uses um dried plums as our base so most of the bars out there since 2007 are date based uh or syrup based and so we're using an ingredient that um i'm kind of shocked is still um kind of unassuming as a super powerhouse type of ingredient and uh, what it does for you is, is very quite different than what dates or those syrup-based bars do. So. so what are the main differences between like a date-based bar and a plum-based bar? Well, one is taste. Um, there are a lot of bars out there that have a very similar, you know, that have a very similar ingredient panel. 
And so the taste is very similar. With Four Points, plums are a very different taste. Uh, but, the, but the main differentiating factor was, and this is getting into the story, uh, which I think is really where the authenticity behind our product comes from, is we come from, my brother and I come from uh, two generations of diabetics. And knock on wood, neither one of us have it uh, type 2 ourselves. But in an ongoing effort to stay healthy and um, you know, service as a true functioning energy bar, uh, we set out to create a slow-burning energy bar that would not compromise our blood sugar and lead to uh, um, uh, that energy crash that can derail your performance. And so using the plum, uh, which is drastically lower on the glycemic load than dates and, and certainly syrups and those higher glycemic binder ingredients, um, we really stand alone. And, and Backpacker Magazine kind of did our, our marketing for us uh, a year ago when they put us up for editor's choice in their gear guide and they called us the slow burn bar. And so that really in a nutshell tells you what our product does for you. Why do you think no one else uses plums as, as the base? You know, I don't know for sure, but when I have come up, when I have rubbed elbows with our competition without singling them out, um, they've often, uh, deferred their first response is you guys use plums, huh? And I, I can only imagine through our trials and tribulations and, research and development with using plums that it's a problematic ingredient. Um, we don't use any additives, preservatives, or even sulfurs on our dried fruit that goes into four points bar. And that includes the plums. And, and because of that, it's a, it's a product that does like real raw food have an expiration date on it. And so, you know, typically you can find date based bars that will last a year on a shelf. Our bars max out at about six months and, and, as a real food product, I personally don't want to eat something that could last a year on a shelf. So um, my gut tells me that plums are not the easiest ingredient to work with from our experience. And so maybe that's a uh, reason why no one else has kind of caught on to it. That's really interesting. So It's also not cheap either. It's a very expensive premium ingredient as well. So Interesting. Yeah, I never really thought of, like I always knew about dates as a base, but never, I, before this, never thought of. Uh, using plums. Yeah, no, it's it's a, it's a great ingredient, and it's it's super healthy, super high in potassium, um, and it's it actually has more antioxidant capacity than blueberries. So it's a very um, under thought of ingredient, if you know, want to say that. So that's interesting. All right, so you and your brother obviously are health conscious because of your your family history. Um, you're very outdoorsy people. Um, you said that you first started making these bars for yourself in 2007. Um, what was the journey like? Did you always know that you wanted to start a business like this and it was just sort of a matter of time, uh, to getting it off the ground? Um, yes and no. I mean, we never, you know, t- taking this back to 2007, there was, a, there was one instance in particular where, uh, my brother and I were summiting a couple of uh, 14ers in Colorado, and we uh, we both uh, were we we were in that situation in this uh, where you're out racing a storm that's bearing down on you, and you're 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 bonking, and uh, that bonking was, uh, led to a severe crash to where you know you're you got tunnel vision, you're you're weak, your your heart rate is increased. Um, it's pretty scary. And then, and it's, and it dawned on me at that moment in time, I'm like, you know, I've eaten so many different products I brought with me, goos and gels and other bars or whatnot. 
Um, and I said, you know, if you know, you're up here in the elements and, you know, where one wrong step could be your life, the last thing you can afford is to um, have an energy crash that bad that really compromises your, your, um, your well-being. And so we kind of just set out to, you know, at the time I was going to school for sports nutrition and we, I just started kind of thinking, okay, well, if we we're going to come up with the perfect energy bar, what would it be? And we just kind of took our time with it over the, the years, tweaking it here and there. You know, hey, can we make it, can we formulate this to where it doesn't freeze on a chairlift? And, that's, and the ski crowd really was the first ones that catapulted us into saying, maybe we should make a business out of this. Because we're, we're, well, you know, everybody who skis and snowboards can identify with trying to, you know, choke down a, or even bite, nevertheless, bite a you know, certain bars that freeze up rock solid. And oh, so I know that feeling. <laughs> we, yeah, everybody, every, it's, it's funny. We do ski shows all over the place. And, and when we do outdoor retailer, and it was, as soon as we mentioned our bar doesn't freeze, and we've tested it at 20 below zero on Denali Peak, and it does not freeze. And, and it's amazing how that resonates with people. But we, we literally tried to reverse engineer a bar into be the perfect long-term energy um, bar and so our bar. What our I guess the best way to describe what we are is to, is to first talk about what we're not. And what we're not is a a bar for a forty five minute gym workout. And we're not a bar for that quick. Give me energy while I'm on the bike, and then every forty five minutes I got to keep re upping on it. Our bars are, were made for long bouts of activity, of strenuous activity. You know, four hour, you know, four hours of hiking, four hours out skiing in the backcountry, for a four hour golf round. You know, something. You know that you're going to get three to four hours of slow digestive time, so you're going to get slow release of low glycemic sugars with, that don't compromise your blood sugars. So you get no crash, and you can feel the difference immediately. That's really interesting. All right, so you you obviously have developed and refined the bars over a pretty long period of time. Um, when you got your start and launching at the end of 2014 and 2015. How, how did it go? Did it, did it sort of take off right away or was it slow? How did that go? No, it was slow. It was slow. You know, it, the biggest barrier of entry for us is you have consumers that are, are um, weary of, you know, a crowded category with a lot of similar products. And then you're, you've got buyers of, of stores who are, you know, hey, I don't want to bring in another energy bar. But um, so the barrier of entry for us, we knew was going to be very high. Um, so what we decided to do is we looked at our, we looked at it and said, you know, if we slow play this, we don't have to put a lot of pressure on ourselves and yeah, we won't be an overnight success, but we can learn a lot about our, 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 our category. And what we decided was said, Hey, we built this for ourselves and we grew up in the outdoor industry. So why don't we build ourselves, our brand in the outdoor industry? And our ultimate goal was to become, um, the premier energy bar for the outdoor industry and, and make it a niche product for people that hike and ski and bike and golf and climb and kayak and whatnot. And so that we started going after specialty sports stores and ski resorts and bike shops and ski shops and yoga studios and places where instead of calling it a point of purchase, we call it point of play. So people are going to purchase it and use it right away. And then we can, by growing slow, our mistakes were minimized. We were able to learn from them without them being too costly. And we were able to learn a lot about where our product does well and where it doesn't. And so we did that for about two years. Um, in 2017, we landed REI out of just pure hustling. And uh, they gave us a shot in all the Colorado stores. And we, um, we did very, very well. And we learned a little bit about 
uh, ourselves in that process. And then we decided 2000, January of 2018, we were going to, you know, uh, reformulate, repackage, uh, sharpen up our branding and relaunch um, with the intent of transitioning from the outdoor space into the natural and conventional space and really bridging that gap between those two industries. And so this has been our most successive, successful year to date. So the growth in the beginning was very slow and we were okay with that. And, and now the growth is happening at a much faster level as people are getting to know about us. Interesting. So would you say that most of your uh, growth has come from the brick and mortar being an REI and other um, food stores? Yeah. Yeah. REI gave it, REI, REI gave us the credibility that, that landed, uh, um, and we've ex- since expanded this year into 31 markets for REI, and uh, which is exciting. And but it landed us the credibility that allowed us to go to you know co- you know brick and mortars like Natural Grocers and Safeway and Luckies and and try to and you know and now we have you know some steam built behind us and and it's still a challenge moving forward. There's still a lot of products out there, but you know one by one we. You know, you can't change consumer buying behavior overnight and you can't, um, but you, you know, slowly but surely we're just going to keep building our brand and billing ourselves as that premier product. So definitely now in, in landing REI, what about, um, your product or what exactly did you guys do that got them to be like, okay, we're going to give this a try. Well, I think the, the piece that backpacker magazine, uh, did for us when they, you know, they called us up and and said, uh, hey, we uh, heard about your bars. We want to take them to Columbia for editor's choice consideration. Of course, that's like our dream. Uh, right. And, and uh, we didn't we get editor's choice last year, but we were, we were pretty close and we were featured in the magazine. And you can't pay for that kind of uh, exposure that that gave us. And I think that really showed REI and the fact that I'm one of the most persistent people you ever meet. And uh, just, you know, hey, we're going to work hard for our, our place in this world. And, and uh, you know, there's a lot of alignment between what we Four Points is as a product and what we are as a company and our ethos. Uh, and there's a lot in oh, and, and REI. So it was a natural fit. And I think it was just persistence paying off that got us in there. And then once we're there, you know, befriending all the green jackets and making them big, our biggest fans. So. Interesting. So how did you handle um, production, the production side of it? Because obviously when you first started out, it was you and your brother and your team making bars in-house. Yeah. What has that been like? Well, that was, that's been, the, uh, that's, that's been the, the biggest source subject out of the entire thing. And, you know, we, uh, we started off making these in a little food processor, a lot of, you know, very similar to the way that I think probably everybody, RX Bar, Lara Bar, whoever um, did. And uh, we, we then graduated into a, a smaller, um, com, you know, commercial kitchen space where we operated three small 10-quart food processors. And it was a ridiculously slow and labor-intensive process. And then as we grew, we graduated to bigger equipment. And, and then now we're, uh, we ended up building out our own line. So now we own and operate our own line where we can um, produce a lot of bars uh, at a much more efficient process. So it, it's, been, it's been a long I mean, it was, there was a good period of about a year where we were going in every Sunday night from 6 p.m. till 6 a.m. the next morning and just cranking out as many as we can. And, and it's, uh, uh, and then getting up on Monday and going out selling. And so it was a very, very tough process from a production point. Lots of sleep to be had in those early years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, now, did you have any mentors along this journey? Uh, yeah, we've had a few mentors. Um, and the biggest was a, is a really, really close good or was a really good close uh, friend of mine uh, that recently passed this year unexpectedly. And um, he uh, uh, owned a, a very successful company uh, in the um, glove business uh, for NASCAR and the military and outdoor action sports as well, uh, motocross. And, and so there was a lot of, he had a lot of uh, insight to give me both as a friend and as a mentor, as far as how to, how to start, uh, you know, go down that path of entrepreneurship and really and do this. And, and it was invaluable, the things that he gave us, um, the tools that he gave us from uh, information to, you know, giving us our first, helping us land our first account with, with his company, just as a corporate wellness deal. Like here, let me, I'll put these in my, in my, uh, in my warehouse for all my, for all my staff. And uh, so, yeah, we've had, we've had, we've been blessed to have uh, a really good mentor and a few other really key players involved that, have, you know, information is worth every penny, you know, so. Of course, having um, valuable people around you is one of the most important things and preventing you from making stupid mistakes. <laughs> Yeah. And the mistakes aren't bad. They're, yeah, I look at mistakes. I don't have a negative uh, relationship with mistakes. They're just practicing success is the way I look at it. So, Yeah, no, that's a great way of looking at it. It's all just a learning experience at the end of the day. Um, what would you say has been the hardest part about starting and building Four Points? Um, the hardest part, you know, ironically, I mean, there's, there's a lot of parts that are hard, um, you know, learning on the fly when, you know, you don't have the money to hire a PR team. You're learning how to do PR on your own. Um, you don't have the money to pay a marketing team. You're, you know, you're coming up with content and digital marketing on your own. And um, certainly manufacturing them on your own is, and is, we're really wearing all the hats. I mean, you're having to learn on the fly and then your business's livelihood is, you know, at the same time, it, it, it's all about sales. You have to get out there and sell it. And so, you know, there's, there, I wouldn't say there's one thing that is the most difficult. They're all, there's challenges in every area, even down to just convincing the consumer to, to take action and go buy your product, you know, and to try it out because people get, um, they get used to their, what they're comfortable with. And, and sometimes they venture outside their box and sometimes they, they've got too much going on to, to worry about um, that. So it, I wouldn't say there's one thing in particular, but there's a, it's really just learning as you go. And it's, and it's invaluable. You, you can't teach, you can't teach this in, in, in a classroom. Like you what entrepreneurship is, you know, that's something you have to go through. Yeah. You learn by doing. <laughs> yeah. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you've made up to this point? Um, the biggest mistakes are probably mistakes that every entrepreneur makes at some point along the way. You, you, you look at, um, you try to look at everything, you know, trying to decide the difference between a distraction and an opportunity. Um, certainly there's, you know, everybody, you know, gets a really, you know, great, you know, pitch like, Hey, you should try this. It only costs X amount of dollars, you know, like falling for a big marketing ploy or, Hey, why don't you spend two thousand dollars to get get into this magazine, and and then you have no way to measure the success of what that did, or if it did anything for you. So I think, from a mistake standpoint, um, maybe just not being smarter with our dollars in the beginning. You know, maybe our it's kind of like you know your eyes are bigger than your stomach, 
you know, like, oh, this seems like a really great deal. Yeah, we're going to spend the money on it. And then, you know, you look back and say, you know, we could have been cash flow positive a lot sooner <laughs> if we had not wasted money in these areas. But again, I don't look at those as, as negative things. I think you have to know you have to know where, you know, where not to step. So, you know, where to step. So it's uh, that's kind of my thought on it. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. It's uh, especially when you're starting out, like with marketing, you want it to work. So you're like, you're more hopeful about trying things and it's a great way to throw money away, but then learn at the same time, right? Be like, okay, we don't work on projects unless there's a clear ROI or yeah. like process to an ROI of some kind. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which I feel like a lot of brands don't realize until they spent a few thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you, these are mistakes that you, when you learn them, you learn them the hard way and it's, um, you know, that's the beauty of it. You just hope that the mistake can be made up and, you know, you learn from it and you don't do it again. And, uh, you become a smarter business person, but, um, yeah, it's hard to pinpoint one single mistake that we made. Um, and, and again, you know, I'm the kind of person that's, you know, I, I, I might throw an interception, but I get back on the field the next play and I'm, and I'm not thinking about that. So. I think that's wise. Um, what would you, what advice would you give to someone that, uh, wanted to start a business, whether it was in the outdoor space, the food industry, or really just a business in general? Um, my best piece of advice is, is kind of internal reflection. Um, I've never been a fan of, I've always, my, my, as a consumer, and I consider myself to be a very picky consumer. I mean, there was once upon a time, I once re- uh, tried and returned 10 backpacks till I found the right one. So I like to like to think that I'm my toughest critic and toughest consumer I'll ever come across. But I think um, today's consumer, I think you have to ask yourself why you're doing it. Um, you know, there's, again, I mentioned it earlier in the, in the podcast that uh, we didn't look for a market to sell our product to. Um, so there's an authenticity that I think needs to exist behind the why you're doing what you're doing. And and then I think so I think authenticity is number one. And then number two would be transparency, because we live in an information age where you can't hide anything. And so there's no reason to try. And just being completely transparent and owning that transparency and actually highlighting it as a, as a, as a focal point of your business, I think gains you trust with the consumer and with anybody that does business with you. And then and then the last piece would be collaboration. And, you know, this it's a very competitive market. Uh, wherever you're going into, you know, a lot of people say, oh, the energy bar market's very saturated. But I would say that uh, what market's not saturated? You know, there's uh, every market has its, has its, uh, you know, first ins and their second ins. And then their next, you know, it's completely crowded. So if you can find a way to, you know, for us, we want to make friends with all of our industry um, kin you know like we we reach out to our friends that make backpacks and our friends that make uh you know skis and we say hey let's do some collaborating efforts you know like you need to provide more value to your customer and i need to provide more value to mine and let's leverage what we each have and our audiences our consumer bases and so that would be the third part of it so authenticity transparency and collaboration i think are the biggest key you know keys to whether or not you should do jump into it and do do it or and then if you're going to be successful so i think that's kind of the 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 litany, the litany test i guess so that's really great advice now what's the best part about running four points 
the best part about running four points is that again we're doing it for we're doing it for the the, the authenticity behind it. You know, I when I I get such a kick out of somebody trying our bars and then calling us up or emailing us or hitting us on social media and saying, Oh my God, I've like they, the light bulb went off. They're like, you guys are doing so great, something so great and so different. And I really noticed the difference and it's, it's validation that, you know, even, you know, you hear no from retailers. Oh yeah, we're not going to bring us in. But then you hear a consumer tell you like, Hey, keep going, keep going, keep doing this. Uh, that re-energizes me. And, and so that's one of the best parts about it. And then I think as of lately, the best part about, Four points is that in the beginning, uh, when we just actually decided we were going to make a business out of this, um, I had always, and Patrick, and he and I both always had it in our minds that four points it would become uh, greater than just a product. It would be a brand for a lot of different products that's centered around, a, you know, a company mantra, and then we would transition that company mantra into uh, a secondary arm of our biz, our company, which is for conservation. And now that we have that platform, we're getting ready to launch the conservation arm of Four Points, where we are going to um, have a groundbreaking new platform on our website to help crowdfund conservation efforts and protect public lands across the country and starting here in Colorado in our home state. And uh, we're going to be unveiling the first part of that program and campaign at the November OR show next week. And then the second part of that in the January snow show. Um, and so we're really excited about that. And that's, you know, like I said, growing up in, in the mountains and in Colorado, we, we grew up with an inherent obligation and responsibility to, to have good environmental stewardship and outdoors ethos and, and protect public lands and fight for that preservation. And so now it's really fun to say that, all right, we, we're actually going to use our platform to do just that and find innovative ways to do it to where we get ultimate awareness and activation for it. So to me, that's that this is where it's, it's starting to get really fun. Well, that's so interesting. Now, uh, for the listener that wants to keep tabs on that launch, where's the best place for them to do that? So we, uh, on our website, which is uh, fourpointsbar.com, there is a, um, a link at the top, hashtag wherever you play. So we, when we designed Four Points, we said, what is Four Points? Well, Four Points is for wherever you play. And so that was our registered tagline. And we decided that it can mean two things now. So now we've pivoted that tagline into a hashtag wherever you play, um, where we are going to launch this campaign. And so you can follow that uh, and stay on top of everything that we're going to be doing by subscribing to our email newsletter and visiting that page of our website. Um, ultimately, what we'll be eventually doing is, is we'll, we'll have an integrative process on our website where action alerts will populate on our website for areas around the country, wherever the user is, um, saying, hey, did you know about this this uh, public land in your neck of the woods that is under attack or needs help? And here's how you can get involved in a couple of different ways. And we kind of lead them there. And then during the checkout process, we've, we've partnered up with some really great um, conservancies like uh, Conservation Colorado, Colorado 14er Initiative, Wilderness Society, Continental Divide Trail uh, Coalition um, to Nature Conservancy to, to list some where um, th- when they check out, they can add an additional donation to a conservancy of their choice. And we're going to take it a step further and ask, you know, these conservancies to really kind of help spell out for them in a checkout process. Hey, you're not just donating dollars to Nature Conservancy. You're donating dollars to 
this particular project. And so that way people know where their dollars are going. And so it's, we're, 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 we're kind of uh, going to look at it like crowdfunding for conservancy. I love that. And we'll definitely have that all linked up in the show notes for anyone who wants to keep tabs on that. Um, I really, I really think that's a really great way to like marry business with a social impact. Um, and obviously being in the outdoor space, it's very, very important to look after the outdoors, um, in all aspects. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah I just think that's a great way of doing it. Yeah. We like to tell people that we, we made a product to, to, uh, increase your performance wherever you play and while at the same time protecting the public land that you play on. So that's kind of like, uh, what we're doing now in a nutshell. So I love that. And anyone listening actually before November uh, 20th, you can actually enter to win uh, a bunch of uh, bars from uh, Four Points along with a ton of other gear on ReadyEddy.com. So if you want a chance to win, just head over to ReadyEddy before November 20th for your chance to win with that, Kevin. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, sharing your story, all the great things that you have going on with Four Points and um, protecting um, the outdoors um, really looking forward to seeing how it all comes together. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. Really appreciate it. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Aid Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.